for each and every one of your listeners, you're right now sitting on a winning lottery ticket. There is something that you do uniquely that the world needs, right? That Howard Thurman, what makes you come alive? Because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. And someone cannot show up until you do your thing. Does all work and no play make us dull business owners? Well, we're going to find out how today with Jeff Harry. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. Hey there, thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a marketing agency specializing in amplifying luxury brands across the U.S. and Canada. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. Hey, and welcome to the show. I am Darla Powell, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, and we have an excellent show for you today. We have guest Jeff Harry on, who's going to tell us how having a little bit of play and not being so serious all the time will actually help you be more productive. How? I have no idea. <laughs> we're we're going to all find out together. But if you're serious like me, in business that is, I think this is going to be a very valuable episode. So here we are deep in the holidays. I hope you guys are having an amazing holiday season in spite of the COVID-19 and everything going around. I know it's difficult to have Christmas and Thanksgiving via Zoom, but we should all be pros at it by now. And I'll tell you, you want to know how brave I am? Ten days ago, at the time of this recording, I actually started a 30 grams or less low-carb diet during the holidays. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> my, but I've scheduled out my very first cheat day to be Christmas. That's going to be my Christmas present to myself. I have Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes in the freezer right now as we speak. So see you later, Little Debbie, because I don't want to be a big Deborah. And guess what's out? Luann Nagara's new book, A Well-Designed Business, The Power Talk Friday Experts, Volume 2 is out. And guess who has a chapter in it? No less than yours truly, Darla Jethro Powell, with a chapter all about social media, how to create strategy, why you need it to get real clients. I'm so grateful to Luann. So go over to luannnagara.com to check out that bad boy. I'm very, very proud of it. And if you guys were at the book launch, thank you so much for showing up. That was a really, really fun time. I'm super excited to be a part of this. And can't wait to go to Luann Live in February. Stay tuned. We'll have all that information in the show notes. Don't you worry about that. Also, Christmas week. We're not going to let you down. We're going to have another blooper episode for you filled with bloopers from this last year because they're just so ridiculous. And that is our gift to you <laughs> as a thank you. Thank you for staying tuned and listening to the Wingnut Social Podcast. We are so grateful for you. And I have to say that really does go along with today's theme of play, right? What's wrong with having a little bit of fun? It's okay. We're not perfect. And we do like to show that at the very end of every episode, we have some pretty funny bloopers by yours truly, and sometimes even the guests. But I'll be honest, I'm the one that makes most of them. So now it's time for our social media mini news sesh. Mini news sesh. It's time for mini news. Mini news sesh. Yeah. All right, I'm really excited about this mini news sesh. Not so much about what it is capable of doing now, but what the potential is maybe down the road. We're all speculating, but Instagram now has 
keyword search, you know, as well as the hashtags, but keywords, you guys know, are you sitting out there? Are you you sitting down? What an impact that can make? You know, YouTube is very SEOable. Pinterest is SEOable with keyword search. And now Instagram is you can put a keyword in your little search bar, $5 every time I say search, drinking game. Put a keyword in there. If you have it, it'll show a little magnifying glass, and that's how you know if you have the feature. But most everybody should have it by now. And Instagram, of course, is being very close to the vest about how their algorithm is ranking your posts for keywords. Is it captions? Is it how you write your caption? Is it their AI with the metadata in the image? Are they able to take a snap of the image, see there's a sofa in there, and put beige sofa in there, they're not really saying. But this is just a whole new world. (laughs) This just opens up a whole new world for searchability on Instagram that doesn't make you just beholding to those hashtags all the time. So that's something to keep in mind when writing your captions. Throw in a couple of keywords in there and see how you do. Now, you guys may have noticed, and this is still going on at the time of this recording, that Instagram has taken away the ability to see the most recent hashtags. And their explanation for that was because they didn't want to influence the election or have any negative searches or feedback or or anything untoward going on there. But the election's over, dude. Unless you're talking to Donald Trump, the election is over and we still are unable to see most recent hashtags. So we don't know. Are they coming back? We really hope they're coming back because it's been a little bit of of an adjustment to find accounts, to reach out on behalf of clients for hashtags that make sense for our clients to grow their account. But the keywords, I think, in combination with the hashtags, if they bring them back, are going to be an amazing, amazing combo. But time will tell. So stay tuned. Let's see where Instagram has taken these keywords. What's going to happen with the hashtags? They're always changing. Nothing can ever stay the same. It's all the algorithms always changing. They're always throwing things at us. And we here at Wingnut Social like to call this job security. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, let me tell you about today's guest, Jeff Harry. Jeff Harry shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day today. Jeff is an international speaker who has presented at conferences such as Inbound, SXSW, and Australia's PauseFest, showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. He was selected by Bamboo HR and Engagedly as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 for his organizational development work around dealing with Toxic people in the workplace. Oh boy, haven't we all had those? His playwork has most recently been featured in the New York Times article, How Do We Add More Play to Our Grown Up Life Even Now? He has also been featured on AJ Plus, Soul Pancake, The SF Chronicle, and CNN. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Jeff Harry to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Jeff Harry. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am doing pretty good right now. I'm feeling very playful today on this episode with you and this topic. We're just going to let loose and have some fun. What do you say? Sweet. Let's do this. 
<laughs> so, Jeff, I don't know how much you know about me, but on my podcast, I tend to be a little casual and a little bit silly, and I do like to have some fun. But there's one thing about me that my listeners don't know a lot, and that is on the business side of things, I tend to be very uptight and take myself way too seriously. Mm, mm. I don't let myself, even sometimes in my personal life, have a lot of fun because I think all that time needs to be spent researching the business, becoming a better person, doing self-help books. How can you help me? Let's let's dive in. Ooh, let's dive in. So what do you want to know first? <laughs> I want to know. Okay, so one of the biggest things that appealed to me about interviewing you for the podcast is that you purport, right, is that play can help you reach your zone of genius, right? Hello, Gay Hendricks, and actually make you more productive and more creative and more successful in the long run, which is a really big scope, but let's let's dissect it some. Yeah, so I define play as any joyful act where you are fully present in the moment. It it has no purpose, it has no result. You're just fully in the zone. You don't have anxieties about the future, you don't have regrets about the past. You are just fully in love with what is actually happening right now. And if you think about it for your life, your play moments are your best moments of your life, right? It's when you feel most alive, as like Howard Thurman says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. So when you're in play, you're actually in flow, you're doing your flow work, you're doing your ikigai, or as Gay Hendricks says, your zone of genius. Marcus Buckingham refers to it as the, your red thread work. So, you know, as a business person, I always ask people, what is the work where you forget about time? And then I ask people to look at how much of that work do you do in a given day? Is it 10%? Is it 15%? Because simply identifying the work that you love to do, trying to get into that flow work, if you can just increase it by one to two hours, it actually has a ripple effect on all the rest of your other work to make you even more productive because you f you're bouncing off the momentum of doing the work that makes you come most alive. Does any of that have to do with a little rewiring of the gray matter and just kind of uh, letting that rest a minute and giving yourself the opportunity to have, you know, some more creative inspiration? What is the science behind that? I mean, maybe, right? Like to break down the actual like science behind what's happening in the brain is as everyone knows, your prefrontal cortex, that's where your inner critic is, right? That's what's always protecting you, you know, from all the dangers, the all the what ifs, all those, you know, you should do this, all these things, right? So it's it's there for a reason to ensure that you do not get attacked, right? Like that caveman, you know, tiger scenario. <laughs> but very important, very well, important. What, which is very important at times, but now that we don't have to deal with that, then we just let our mind run amok. So then it starts thinking of all worst case scenarios, which is actually an interesting thing in positive psychology where, you know, instead of thinking of the worst case scenario or the best case scenario, like just asking yourself, what's the most likely scenario? And it usually falls in the middle, right? So that's just something someone could apply. But What's actually happening in your brain is you're going from a beta state, the normal state, to a flow state. And when you're in the flow state, you go through something called hypnofrontinality, where actually a part of your prefrontal cortex shuts down. 
and your inner critic starts to dissipate so that mean voice starts to go away and your implicit mind appears, you become highly creative, you get this shot of dopamine and then all of a sudden you become very curious and then you're open to all the opportunities in front of you. And you might have felt this when you like travel and you're like just saying yes to everything. Like, yes, I'll hop on this moped. Yes, I'll go down this, you know, this zip line. Like you're just open. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just going to figure it out. Right. But what adults do that is crushing to their soul is they're so fixated on a specific result that if they don't get that result, they get so disappointed and expectations are the thief of joy. Right. So this idea of like, if my business doesn't hit X number in this quarter, then I'm a failure. Well, then, you know, you miss out on all of the other opportunities. You miss out on the fact that some of your failures might have been the perfect opportunity for new um, avenues that you never even thought of, right? You know, even as you were like, we're about to start this podcast, you were like, well, you know, maybe we'll take out some of, you know, any of the mistakes. And I'm like, the mistakes are part of it. Like it's, it's, it's everything. Like we take everything together, right? And that is what play can do. It can open up all these channels where you see more opportunities for your business than you never thought possible. So let's get back to like when I first asked you in my example, when I always felt like I'm an audible addict. I love listening to business books. I love listening to anything that I feel like I'm increasing my education. But Recently, like the last month or so, I got a little burnout and I said, you know what? I love science fiction. I love to listen to science fiction. I love to let my imagination run wild. And I picked up the, the Bobaverse books on Amazon and started listening to them. And I actually felt a little guilty because I was actually enjoying them and having fun listening and feeling like, oh, I mm. should be focusing on the business. What's going on there? What's wrong with me? So first off, nothing's wrong with you, right? <laughs> Let's have compassion for ourselves. No, no, no. I'll tell you why we think something's wrong with us, right? So the way I answer this is people always ask me, like, why do adults not play enough? And I always answer with 148,000 no's. And what I mean by 148,000 no's is by the time you reach the age of 18, Studies have found that you will have heard the word no 148,000 times. So on top of that, you are shut on by adults your entire childhood, right? By your teachers, by your parents, by random strangers. Think about when you were like five and someone was like, you know what you should do when you grow up? And it's just like, I'm five. Like, why are you telling me what I should? You're putting more stress on me. I want to be an astronaut and you're telling me to be an accountant, you know, or, oh, you're good at arguing. So maybe you should be a lawyer. What are you, what are you doing? Right? So adults are shooting on you all the time. Then you go to school where you're told to raise your hand all the time. You're told you're to ask for permission. And then you get into your teen years. And maybe we didn't have to experience this as much as like Gen Z and millennials do, but then you're bombarded by media or now social media. You know, we get more information in a day now that people in the 1950s got in one year. And all of that information, all that social media is telling you, you're not enough. You should subscribe to this. You should buy this. You should get this course. You should listen to this podcast. Like all the answers are external, but they're not within you. It's definitely not you, right? You know, so you're hearing all of that, the no's, the shoulds, the you're not enough. And then anytime you try to do anything that is you, you are considered 
mischievous. You were considered weird. You're considered too much. Like how many times were you told when you were a kid, you're just being too much right now, right? Oh, I get called extra now all the time. Right. So then, <laughs> and yeah, you're so extra, right? Yep. So, and yep. it's just like, so we're dealing with all that, that it's such a rebellious act. It's such a revolutionary act to just simply be yourself, to simply like identify what do I love to do? What makes me come alive? What makes me, you know, feel good about myself? Because everyone else is telling me that I shouldn't feel that way. So we just first have to put that in context. Um, and then I think of the Viola Davis quote of like, you know, with every choice you make, you either claim who you are or you end up chasing your worth for the rest of your life. How many people do you know right now that are chasing their worth, that are looking for value from somebody else instead of being like, "No, I'm just going to I'm just going to make this podcast because I want to make it." Maybe it doesn't have an ROI or or it's not as productive as some other marketing tool, but I'm just going to do this. I mean, I make a TikTok every day. You know, there's no productive value in it. Like there's no reason for me to make it. There's no sense or, or purpose to it besides the fact that it's fun. But it puts but you're having me, so much fun with it and gaining traction with it. Exactly. Exa but it also puts me in such a positive mindset to start seeing the day as play. I'm priming my brain to look at every opportunity as play whenever I start my day by play. So Jeff, how do you approach old school People who think, okay, you know, you're supposed to be here at work for eight hours and you really can't be goofing off. That eight hours is for work. Goof off on your own time when it comes to employees. How much of a factor of play should we be integrating with our, our businesses for employees or even ourselves during work time? What's the fine line? I mean, that's a great question, right? You know, I love that you mentioned the eight hour day. So, I was fascinated. I was like, where does the eight hour day even come from? Like, who made this up? So I was like, let me just do a little bit of research. And I found out that it was a Welsh labor activist and business owner named Robert Owen that came up with it in 1817. And then nobody touched it for like a hundred years. Like National Labor Alliance at some point tried to pitch it to Congress, but they just were ignored, you know, but no one, barely anyone touched it. Then in like 1926, during the Great Depression, Henry Ford, who had been working his, his laborers 11 to 15 hours, could not get enough people on his assembly line to produce stuff. So the only way to attract them was to reduce the hours to eight hours and then double everyone's salary. So that caused a huge ruckus and everything like that. But like he was able to get people, right? And that's where the eight-hour workday came from. Since 1926, 94 years, nobody has even questioned the eight hour day, right? You know, and the, the whole premise of Robert's Owen was eight hours work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of sleep. Well, anyway, studies now show that your staff, that, that most employees only do two hours and 53 minutes of productive work. That's all the time they can actually focus. Yet, Bureau of Labor Statistics say that that we are now working 8.8 .8 hours a day. So what in the world are people doing <laughs> for 5.8 hours, right? They're playing rock, paper, scissors. Right. They're, they're doing stupid meetings, right? Yeah. Because we have a lot of stupid meetings. We're making up work just so that we seem busy. We are hopping on social media. We are looking for other jobs. Like 85% 
of employees around the, I think it was around the world, are disengaged at work. So clearly we're not doing work correctly, all right, or or well. So for a team leader to just know, hey, listen, you might have a good three to four hours. Maybe if you have an excelling worker, you may might have four to five good hours per day out of them. What is the work that you want them to do most that's most important, not just to the business, but also to them, right? Because if I tell team leaders all the time, especially now in this virtual space where all these people are looking for other jobs, like you want to keep your staff engaged and have them stay, go up to them and ask them, what is the work that you love doing the most? Okay, great. How much of that work are you doing? Oh, only 10%? You're only talking to clients for 10%? of a given day or a given week, how can we increase that to 15%? You know, that's an extra hour or two hours. By doing that, again, you're going to have a ripple effect on all the other work. So they're going to be more productive, but more importantly, you're going to be communicating to them that you care, that you actually see them and you want them to be doing the work that they are meant to do. That's that you're helping them get to figure out what their zone of genius work is. And if you simply do that, you can help retain your employees for a longer period of time. I love that. We actually actually have an employee at Wing at Social, and she has her strengths and weaknesses. And she, there's cer- certain things that she loves to do and certain things that she doesn't love to do. And I told my director, Shana Heinrichsey, you know what? She's such a valuable employee. I want to keep her happy. Just put her in the things she loves to do. We can, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll structure it in such a way that everybody is doing what it is that they love to do. But that's, you know, on a professional level, the the work that they enjoy doing, but how much of, and by by play, I saw a YouTube video today where you were doing rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> how much of those kind of exercises are we doing with our employees? How much of, of that, what kind of exercises can we do with them to develop that loyalty and that sense of fun and that, you know, excitement about being at work and to get that zone of genius going so those four hours a day are 100%. It doesn't stem with ping pong tables and slides and, and <laughs> that was even, my next question. And even team building games. Like I don't do I used to do team building. I did that for a decade. I don't do team building anymore. Really? Right. Okay. Like Why not? I I well, I more so I mean, I incorporate it into my work, but a lot of times the work that I do, I'm trying to tackle much bigger issues. And I'm I happen to use play to do it. Like, how do you deal with toxicity at work? How do you have a hard conversation at work? How do you address something like racism at work? How do you deal with your inner critic? How do you get your staff in flow? So a lot of the stuff that I do is about that. Like, I think sometimes we're like, well, well, if we maybe if we just go bowling some more, we'll build more trust. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but like, that's the superficial stuff. It's more the idea of like, if you're a leader was helping each and every one of their staff to identify what is their zone of genius work, right? Mm -hmm. And then also identifying what is each of our staff's language of appreciation. And I'm going to communicate my language of appreciation to them that way, right? And then, okay, now, you know, we have quarterly metrics we have to hit. How do we gamify it or make it in a fun and engaging way to figure this out? I'm not going to limit how they get there. Like right now, it's really interesting on TikTok. Like this is a platform that's less than two years old. And the Buffalo Bills, for example, this football team gave two guys, these two random, you know, kids, like, you know, in their 20s and be like, you can make whatever you want on TikTok as long as it's Buffalo Bills related. 
And that's what they're doing. There's a guy for the Washington Post that is making all these ridiculous videos on TikTok that is actually attracting Gen Zers and millennials to be like, what's this Washington Post? Which is usually like this really boring newspaper, but this guy is super cool. So they're paying attention to it. So here's another argument for play, right? You know, I think Stephen Johnson says this in his book, you'll find the future where people are having the most fun. And if you look at the organizations and the companies that are able to adapt right now in 2020, the TikToks, the Hulus, the, the Netflix, all of those companies while the other ones that are not adapting, the ones that are not adapting are, to be, are becoming the next blockbuster, right? And when you look at some, you know, an organization like Google, where they do the 20% rule, where they, again, allow their staff to focus on a fifth of their time, only a fifth, right, mm-hmm. of pursuing work that, that they find interesting, as long as it helps the business, what did the Google 20% rule create? It created... Google Meet, Gmail, and a bunch of other billion-dollar ventures that Google does. So they just let the employees run wild and say, here, 20% of your time? So they said 20% of the time. So, you know, for a small business owner, they're like, I can't do that. I can't give them 20%, but you can give someone 5%. You can like- Five or 10. you You can have them be like, all right, we need to market this product or market, you know, we need to approach this challenge, but I want you to do it in your own creative way. You can give them the freedom to play, right? The playground to play in. So when I'm emphasizing play, I'm not emphasizing like, let's have more rock, paper, scissors, and then we're going to be better. It's more like, let's actually own a play-oriented mindset where we're not so always fixated on the result and instead more so focusing on the process and being present for the process. And the journey and what, what can come to you, the inspiration that can come to you when you're in alpha level or when you're in that play stage or in that zone of genius. Okay, so Jeff, you mentioned an appreciation language, which I, I heard, you know, the love language, appreciation language. How does one go about finding out what the appreciation language of their employees is? There's the website, I think five languages of appreciation. You could be like, hey, do you want to take this test? You know, like, and they could do that. Or you could simply ask them, right? Like, do you like gifts? You know, what motivates you? I think a lot of times we don't even ask our staff what motivates them. Or we ask them at the beginning when they first joined, and then we forgot. You know, and then the only time we give them feedback is during like our performance evaluation time. And then regardless of how great the feedback is, anything negative, because, you know, our brains have a negativity bias, only hear the negative thing. But imagine if you are giving appreciation on a, on a regular basis. I think I saw this on, on HubSpot, but, you know, 69% of employees based off of this one survey that HubSpot did say they would be more productive if they heard more appreciation for the work that they do. So ask them, you know, is it acts of service? Meaning like, can I help you do this this work? And then you can go home early and hang out with your family. You know, is it words of affirmation? Is it like, am I recognizing you not just alone, but in front of other staff and even superiors so they know that you're doing good work? Is it gifts like bonus? I just care about money. I just want some money. Okay, well then let's figure out what we need to do in order for you to hit your bonus this year, right? So like people need to explore that and have those conversations with their their staff and be open and transparent about it. That's amazing. And you've definitely given me some things here that I haven't thought about before with my staff. And I, I like to think I'm pretty open and fun, but 
I haven't asked them. I don't know. I'm just kind of figuring it out. Jeff, is this something that is just B2B facing or within the infrastructure? Can this also be a client facing thing? Can we include fun when working with clients or no? I mean, absolutely. Like, I don't always advocate for this guy because sometimes he can be a real, um, but you know, but I think Gary Vaynerchuk did something that I thought was really playful and fun. He told his staff, like, hey, we're going to thank our customers. And I did the same thing at, you know, at my former company. We're just going to thank them out of the blue. So he just went, they just went through the Rolodex. People that's, I think it was when he was running his wine library, whatever. And he just picked out someone that like bought, I don't know, like $100 worth of wine, not even a lot of wine. But then he had his staff look through their, the person's Twitter account and find out that this guy loved, you know, this quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Jay Cutler. And what they did was they ordered a Jay Cutler signed jersey and sent it to this guy. Just like this out of the blue, like this $300 investment for just $100 worth, right? But then, and then they never heard anything back for like a really long period of time. And they were like, oh, okay, I guess nothing happened. And then all of a sudden they get this huge order from this guy, this person that, not even the guy that they sent it to, some other person and $3,000 worth of wine. And then he goes, hey, you know, you got a jersey for my, my friend. But, you know, P.S., by the way, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen's fan, you know? <laughs> so, like, so it was this idea of like, let's play with what we look at as customer service or hospitality and let's go in above and beyond and do something for, you know, people, right? I remember this bake sale Betty place I used to live by near Oakland. She would give an extra cookie. She would just throw an extra cookie in there when she just was opening up. Dude, the amount of people that got committed to that place thinking like, she gave me, me a bonus cookie, you know, <laughs> when she was doing it for everyone. It was just, it was just amazing. So like these small acts and experiments you know, where you're not wedded to the result, but you're just like, let me just try this out. I, you know, I built one of the largest Lego-inspired STEM organizations in the U.S., but I did it by us just making it up as we went along. We had no business plan. We picked cities because they were fun. We picked people because we were fun. We experimented all the time. We failed miserably and then learned from it. But we were just kind of playing all the time and seeing like what worked and what didn't work. And I think in business now, we're constantly looking at what we should do. What's Simon Sinek doing? What's Brene Brown doing? What's Mel Robbins doing? And being like, we have to emulate that. It's like, no, you have to figure out, as my business mentor, Stephen Worley says, you have to figure out how to be paid to be you. How do you get paid to be you? What is your way of marketing? What is your way of selling? I've been on, I think, 87 podcasts in the last seven months. Why? Whoa. Why have I <laughs> yeah, done why? this? Because I was like, I want to do marketing in, in another way. I'm going to still do cold outreach and reach out to people and use my networks and the usual. But I also just love talking to people. And then let me, so let me just hop on these podcasts and just see where this takes me, right? And then it's now had all these extra benefits. I didn't even know I was going to get work from it, but I'm getting work. But that wasn't even the goal. The goal was just being like, what does this feel like? Ooh, do I like doing this? Okay, I'll continue to do this. And then at some point when I'm like, you know, I don't feel like doing podcasts anymore, I'll just stop. I'll just stop doing it. And like, if we just embraced more of that play mindset, especially in 2020, where no one has a clue what to do, right? 
where where we're all operating, you know, in this new normal. There are no rules. There isn't like a right way of marketing or a right way of selling because this is all new territory for all of us. So we should be open to experimenting and not judging ourselves and trying to shit on ourselves. I was going to say that $3,000 wine order, that's just one month during the pandemic. Right. <laughs> the right. way this year has been going. Are you struggling with your social media? Do you have a strategy or are you just throwing things up, praying to the social media gods? that your images and your captions are attracting your ideal client? Well, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be calling Wingnut Social and getting your social media audit and strategy. Our process begins with an in-depth boarding call, and then we write you a custom strategy curated just for your business to determine your end game, your goals, your ROI. What is it that you really want to get out of social? You don't just want to throw pretty pictures up. You want it to actually pay off, I'm thinking, right? So let's get specific. Here are a few insights your strategy will include. Competitive analysis, current performance, positioning, who are you online, your voice, your aesthetic, content pillars, what the heck to post about, plus tips for stories, video, hashtags, captions, way to engage with your followers, and how to get those ever-changing algorithms to work in your favor. So if you need help with your social media marketing, and you just need a strategy and just need a business plan in some direction, to get some real ROI and get clients picking up the phone to call you, head on over to wingnutsocial.com and check out. You can actually purchase it directly on the website. That's wingnutsocial.com or 1-877-WINGNUT. How much of this in being in your zone of genius and in zone of alpha and loving what you're doing and just getting excited and going into it, you think translates to people seeing that and just being attracted and drawn to you and getting that success there? Because we're drawn to people who are happy and having fun and, and want to be a part of that energy. Do you think that's a, a factor? I think that's the main reason why I was able to grow that huge organization. Because again, we didn't know what we were doing. I remember once I was interviewing this guy at my former job and we were both just nerding out because we were playing with Lego, right? We're playing with Lego at this table and just nerding out about it. And someone came up to us and was like, I don't know what y'all are doing, but you're having way too much fun over here. You know, when someone says like, you're having way too much fun and you're just like, it's because you're not having any fun and now you want to be over here. But, but they said it with a little admiration, like, oh man, like y'all are having so much fun. What do you do? Because they were just so curious. And I feel like I've seen that more and more as I, as I embrace more of just following my curiosity and seeing where that takes me. I get amped about this. Like you can hear it in my voice, right? Like I'm just like, yo, let's go. And part of the reason why I hop on so many podcasts, it's not to like sell something. It's because I actually really want to communicate a message of, hey, stop shooting on yourself so much. Be more compassionate. Should, that's should. Allowing yourself. Shooting, shooting, by the way. Shooting, S-H-O-U-L-D, shooting. Oh yeah, shooting. <laughs> but stop shooting on yourself and be more compassionate and, and then actually allow yourself to get curious and pursue that play. And I can talk about like the tangibles of how to do that in a moment, but you have to be able to address that inner critic, quiet that inner critic down, listen to your own intuition, because that's how you get paid to be yourself, listening to your own intuition, and stop listening to everybody else. Because as, well, one of the biggest regrets of the dying is... I did not have the courage to live the life that I wanted to live. 
Yeah. You know, but live the life that others expected of me, right? So people on their deathbed are telling us how to live our life and also how to run our business by like not listening to anybody else, but simply listening to ourselves. So even when I'm giving advice to people, I always say, you know what? The only reason this advice resonates with you is because you already told this advice to yourself. I'm just reminding you of something you already know. You have all the answers you need. You simply need to play more in order to figure them out. Love it. Okay, so you did mention getting into some tangibles. Just let's run with that. Go. So, okay, so tangibles in regarding the like play. First, you cannot play until you have calmed yourself down. If you're in an anxiety-ridden state, if you're in an anger state, you can't actually play. And uh, my play mentor, Gwen Gordon, taught me this, that you actually only can play when you've soothed yourself, when you've calmed yourself down. What's interesting is you actually adopt the nervous system of the person that took care of you the most, right? The person that nurtured you the most. So you learn how to soothe yourself from that person. So if that person was, you know, had a lot of like issues about calming themselves down, you might be adopting that. So like, that's okay, just a wait, hold, hold, is that for real? You know, my mom used to do when she was upset or depressed, she would go shopping. And I swear to you, that's what I do now. Is that similar? Is that an example? I mean, do the research yourself because I'm simply taking it from my play mentor. Like, you know, I don't have the science right now to back it up. or I don't know if they've done enough studies on it yet for us to verify it as fact, but it logically makes sense, right? Like that, of course, if this person's in an anxiety-ridden state and you're crying as a baby and then they do something and then they calm down, that you would start to pick up on that. Just like, that's just the nurturing part of it. So I think that's the first thing to identify is just like, okay, how do I soothe myself? How do I calm myself down? And then question, like, is this a healthy form or not, right? Maybe shopping is good, but sometimes maybe you're like, I don't have the bank account right now to be shopping. So I got to figure out another way to soothe myself. Where I soothe myself by taking showers. You know, whenever I need ideas, I just hop in the shower and then ideas just start popping up. Other people, you know, go walk or they go run or they shoot hoops or or they do three pages of morning pages and just write you know, freehand, right? But first you have to identify what calms you or soothes you, right? So then after you do that, then, and this is challenging for a lot of people, then I challenge you to get bored, which is really weird for a play person to tell anyone. but. Think about when you were a kid. Your best ideas came when you were born. <laughs> also, your most dangerous ideas, right? <laughs> but your best ideas came when you were born. And what do I mean by being bored? I mean shutting off social media. Bite your tongue. Stop binge watching Netflix. <laughs> and when I say this, I'm not saying forever. I'm saying for like one to two hours. Right. Like, let's just be realistic. But when someone says to me like, oh, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to be bored. Look at your phone, like grab your phone right now. It tracks how many hours a day you're on your phone. Average amount of that, that is three to five hours for most human beings. So clearly you are between your scrolling and all the other stuff you're doing on your phone, you know, you have some time. You can find some time to get bored. So then you practice soothing, then getting bored. And then finally, when you finally are able to quiet yourself down, because the reason why you want to block that all that out is because when you're consuming so much, you can't create. Like anytime I'm on TikTok and I've watched more than 20 TikToks in a row, I don't want to create anything. 
Like I'm like, every, everyone's made everything great. There's nothing left in the world for me to create. Have you ever felt that where you're like, oh, the yeah, world, yeah. The world, everything's done. Like all the ideas are done, right? Maybe, maybe not. But it's easier to actually create when you're not listening to everyone else, which by the way, is everyone else is telling you to listen to them when you really should be practicing listening to yourself. So soothe, bored, block out the noise, get quiet, and then start listening for that whisper, like that inner child, that inner curiosity. You'll know it's that voice because it's going to suggest something that is both exciting and also really scary. So it's going to be like, hey, create that video. Hey, start that side business. Hey, email that person you've been putting off for six months. Hey, start that podcast and call it Wingnut Social. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's just going to say these creative things. And what we're trying to do with this process is you're trying to strengthen your ability to listen to your own intuition. And this is a practice just like any exercise of like lifting weights to build your muscle. You're building your, your muscle to block out the noise so you can listen to your intuition. So like that's the first exercise. The second exercise, and this is one that you can employ your friends or for your business, you could employ your clients to help you out with this, is you reach out to three to five people, either your friends or your clients, but people that know you really well. And you ask them these two questions. What value do I, do I bring to your life? Because a lot of times we don't even know what we do for people. Like, why are we friends? Like, what do I do for you? And if you ask that for your clients, like, why did you hire me in the first place? What, what do I do for you? Why are, why are you still a client of mine, right? So what value do I bring to your life? And then the second question is like, when have you seen me most alive? Like, and another way to ask that is like, when have you seen me most engaged, most playful, most creative, most present, most happy, most joyful? All of those fall under when have you seen me come most alive and what value do I bring to your life? And when you get three to five people to give you all of that information back and you write it all down and you look at it, oh, so many answers are there. So many gems of, of wisdom that you can pursue. And then you can go back out to those same friends and be like, hey, help me to play more. And if you need like a bonus tip is you could get your friends together, do a tipsy storm, as I call it, over Zoom, where you go, hey, I have all these ideas now. Help me brainstorm how I can make these ideas a reality. But let's first get a little tipsy. So whether that's like alcohol, chocolate, you know, ice cream, whatever it is that br brings you and your friends happiness, you do that, you brainstorm, you write down all of the ideas of how you can implement these new play ideas. You go to bed, get over that hangover or that chocolate hangover you're dealing with, wake up in the morning, look at that list and circle the one that you most resonate with and just do that and see where that takes you. And I'm telling you, it's going to tell you to take you to a really cool, amazing place. Mine would say podcasting. I, I come alive <laughs> podcasting. I mean, I have an interior design business. I have a marketing agency, which I, lo I love those too, but I come most alive podcasting. I love it and love the speaking but, and the writing. I also love writing. Oh, and then I have an extra bonus one that, that they could do. Ooh, extra bonus. So my colleague, Lauren Yee, and I run a workshop called Your Future is Where Your Fun Is, where we help staff tie what they used to do as a kid 
to what is the work they love to do now. So when we were helping uh, Lauren figure out what did she love to do as a kid, she loved to play sardines, which is reverse hide and seek. Anyone that doesn't know what sardines is, basically someone hides Another person finds that person, they hide, and they pack in like sardines. Until now, you have eight people <laughs> packed in together, and one person being like, where is everybody? Don't do it during COVID, but after COVID, it's amazing. Even with adults, it's amazing, right? It sounds fun. You know, so what I asked her, what is it that she loved about sardines? She was just like, well, I love the creativity of it, right? I love the collaboration of it. I love the connection of it. And I was like, oh, okay, so those are your play values, so let's take those play values and figure out what is the work or the stuff you love to do most now that includes create, creating, connecting, and collaborating. So you know, asking you, what did you love to do as a kid? I used to love writing science fiction well, and playing in my tree houses. And I was a tomboy and running around, but I used to love to write. So let's break down the play values of that. What was it about writing science fiction that was so cool. I love to get creative and imagine all these these different universes and worlds and characters. And that you, when you went back to saying it's you know, doing those things where time just doesn't even pass for you. you. You look up and, you know, six hours have gone by. That would be that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing is like, it's creative. Also, you're making something out of nothing. You're turning just an idea into something like phenomenal. What else? It was an escape. You know, for me and, and just the, the doldrums of life, it was a way for me to get away from reality and then just kind of explore my imagination. Okay. So like what I'm hearing is creative, imaginative, and also, well, it's an escape, but it's also like taking the mundane and then making something awesome. Yeah. Like turning mundane into awesome. So if it's creative, imaginative, and turning the mundane into awesome, what is something you do now that has those aspects? Oh, the podcasting for sure. I do some writing, but not as much as I used to because I'm so tied up with the businesses. I even, mm. yeah, I know, right? I, I should need to, I need to up that to the 10 or 15%. Yeah. Or, and, and even if it's not a need, just a want of like, what if, and right, this is just a play experiment. What if your writing actually will make all of your work better? You know, and I think it could. I, I do believe that. I don't know why I'm stuck and why I don't do it more. I think I feel like so bogged down with the day to day. Right. So my challenge, and this is what I do with a lot of, of clients, is I go, okay, break down your day, all the hours of your day, <laughs> right? That you're working hours because everyone's like, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? And I, I always challenge people. I'm like, wait a minute, there's that 5.5 hours that were not as productive, right? You know, break down your day, see how that is, and be like, where can I like carve out? I mean, even if it's just 10 to 15 minutes where you're just going to like free write or do morning pages. Do you know morning pages, artist way? No, I'm not familiar with that. So, so morning pages is this, it's this really cool book called the artist way. Writers use this all the time, but one of the exercises in the artist way is to just write freehand three pages worth of stuff to begin your day or whenever you want to do it. Because what they find with a lot of writers is you have to get all the junk out of your head. But if you just write three pages and there could be three pages of like, I don't know what to write today. I don't know what to write today. <laughs> you just write that. Still, it helps tremendously in clearing the cobwebs from your writer's brain so that you can start creating something cool. And eventually after like one page of free handwriting and they say free handwriting like actually writing with a pen right you know i do it you know via the computer but 
it's even better via pen. Yeah, you start to have ideas that you didn't think were were even there. You know, I, a friend of mine just brought me a coloring book because I was at her house for Thanksgiving and I was coloring with her five-year-old granddaughter, six-year-old granddaughter, and I was just so zoned out and so mm. relaxed. And she sent me a coloring book and I started coloring, was yesterday or the day before when I received it. And it's so funny that your mind does go into that alpha state. And I started actually getting ideas and thinking of things and relaxing. So I'm, I'm a firm believer. You're, yeah, for sure. I think that this, there's a lot here. And I know that Sometimes when you try to push so hard and get those ideas and get that inspiration and like to really strain a muscle, that's not when it's coming. It is coming when you're in that relaxed state. Right. I mean, I was I was on a podcast about grit and I was like, grit is important and there's times when you need to persevere, but sometimes when you're forcing it, you're forcing really bad ideas. Like if I think of what brainstorming sessions at companies like they're the worst. Like, okay, here, we're going to have a brainstorming session. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in a box room. We're going to sit at a box table. And then you have one hour to come up with the best ideas possible. Go like, that just sounds horrible. Like it just, like you've created no avenue where any really good ideas are going to come. And then there's so much pressure. We have one hour to figure this out. I was studying some facilitation trainings and they talk about this idea of the groan zone at a meeting where most people don't allow in brainstorming sessions to sit in the groan zone. And that is the zone where people are frustrated, where they're like, I don't know. Oh, we've been working at this for a long time. And, and usually that's when the leader's like, okay, we're just going to do this idea and then we're done. But if you actually allow for the grown zone to expand and for more crazy ideas to be thrown in, sometimes the craziest idea is what leads you to the right idea or the idea that's right for you. But you have to allow yourself to play in that playground. You know, I tell a lot of people at meetings, practice yes and. Let's yes and for 45 minutes of the meeting where no one poops on anyone's ideas Let's put all of the ideas on the board. And then instead of like criticizing all of the ideas, let's just circle the ones that we most resonate with. Instead of what most brainstorming is, is like, hey, I have this idea. And then everyone's like, that's a dumb idea. And then everyone else is like, I guess I'm not sharing either because I don't want to get my idea pooped on too. True. You know, so yeah. like we have to infuse play into all parts of our work, especially when it's creative, like brainstorming. Jeff, you have been absolutely amazing. This has been a, a tremendously insightful conversation, and I'm sure our listeners are like taking notes. Don't do it while you're driving, though, guys. But Jeff, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Yes. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. All right, Jeff Harry, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? Ooh, I would be that really tall tree in Marin. What are those, redwoods? That goes forever. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Play matters. Perfect, of course. If you could only be one golden girl, who would it be and why? Ooh, I would be, I want to say Blanche, but who's the oldest? The sassy. Sophia, the grandma? Yes, yeah. I would be Sophia, dude. Sophia. Sophia is legit. She is my favorite by far. All righty. And last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted your life in some kind of way. Well, we already know about Gay Hendricks' um, Big Leap, so I'm not going to suggest that book. Okay. Um, you know what it is? And it's it's Tuesdays with Maury. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesdays with Maury, which was written by Mitch Albom. And it was about his professor Maury and Maury was dying of cancer. And Mitch, who was a ESPN reporter, interviewed him as he was dying over the span of like eight months. And he explained to him how to live as he was dying. And one of the coolest things that Maury talked about was, well, two things. He did a live-in funeral where he laid on his couch, he invited everyone, and then everyone said things about him, but he was still alive. He just laid like he was dead. (laughs) So he could actually hear what everyone had to say. Uh And then the other thing that he said, which was really powerful about that book was, and I learned this also in positive psychology, is Maury would learn, especially as, as time was passing, he would allow emotions to fully envelop him. So if he was sad and he was watching some news, he would allow the sadness to fully he would fully feel the sadness because when he fully felt the sadness, he was then able to let it go. Um, and when you're able to allow each of those emotions in, you just live a more fulfilling life. So like if you're feeling numb right now because you've been binge watching so not, so much Netflix, allow yourself to feel the various emotions, both negative and positive, because then you can really be in a joyful state, but you also have to allow yourself to be in a grief and a sadness state at times, especially going around 2020. You have to let that out. You can't, can't burden your body with it, for sure. I, I right, 100% agree. Right. And I think a lot of people didn't mourn 2020, like didn't allow themselves to mourn what didn't happen in 2020 mm. that they wished. And that was part of the reason why they couldn't create something. Oh, so interesting. If, in these last 23 days of 2020, you know, here's an exercise, write down everything you wanted to accomplish in 2020 that you didn't get to probably due to COVID, more in the fact that that didn't happen, fold it up into an airplane, let that go, right? And then think about what do I want to do with the last 23 days of 2020? What impact do I want to do and how do I want to show up? See what comes up. I'm going to go fold my paper airplane with my 2020 show on it and follow that advice. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Jeff Harry, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you and how to add play to their lives so they can add to their scope of genius and be happier people. Sure. But can I also goodwill hunt your, your attendees or I mean your listeners before I go? How do you like them, Apple? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, um, so first I'll say where you can find me. So if you, you're on TikTok, Instagram, all that, Jeff Harry plays J E F F H A R R Y P L A Y S. That's my social media handle for everything. Or you can go to my website, rediscoveryourplay.com, click on the let's, let's play button where I have all these play activities. And then you can just hop on a call with me and we can figure out how you can kick ass in this world through play. Okay. You know Goodwill Hunting, right? You're it's been a, it's been a while, but yeah, I, it's been a while. Okay, so yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, in the movie, Matt Damon is a genius, right? He can get any job he wants with any think tank because he's like a scholar. But you know, he's from Southie, and he, at the end of the movie, he's working construction right next to Ben Affleck, and Ben's like, "When are you going to take this job? When are you going to get take these high paying jobs?" And Matt's like, "I'm not." You know, I'm going to, I'm going to work construction with you. You know, we're going to raise our kids and watch them play baseball at Foley field, you know, and that's just what I'm going to do. And, and Ben turns to him and he goes, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Like I'm literally going to kill you if I see you here. 
And, and Matt's like, what, what, what? I owe it to myself, you know? And he's like, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Oh. And you owe it to everyone else at this construction site because any of us, like any of us would give anything to have what you have. You know, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in. And for each and every one of your listeners, like you're right now sitting on a winning lottery ticket. There is something that you do uniquely that the world needs, right? That Howard mm -hmm. Thurman, what makes you come alive? Because yep. what the world needs is for more people to come alive. And someone cannot show up until you do your thing. Until you do your play, they can't show up. So when I think of like this podcast, if you didn't create this wingnut social podcast, I would not be able to show up. And now I'm passing this message on to somebody, a listener, and now it's you, you have permission to show up so that you can cause someone else to also show up. So my question to your listeners is, are you ready to show up? Awesome. And I know that there's people out there that need to hear that today. And I thank you so much for being an amazing guest and sharing your wisdom with us, with me, and with the listeners. And thank you so much for being an amazing guest, Jeff. You have a terrific week. Thanks so much for having me. I got to tell you, one of the main reasons that I love podcasting so much is that I get to meet exceptional people like Jeff Harry. I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. And we did talk about The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and that is a book that I have talked about in the past and you guys need to go pick that up. That book made a huge difference in my life. And Jeff and I talked a lot about the zone of genius. And you can learn more about what that means by reading that book. But basically what that is, is, is that that place that you go to and you're really kind of good at stuff without a lot of effort that just naturally comes to you, that natural talent. You know, when you feel like you're in that zone and things are, are really easy and time is just flying by and you're just really good and it doesn't feel like work, which is why in that book, The Big Leap, he says to delegate outside of your zone of genius. For example, for me, design, decorating comes really easy. Those are things that I can do and hours just pass. But if you ask me to do CAD work or to do bookkeeping, no, not so much. So I'm going to delegate outside that zone of genius, just so you guys have, have a reference there. But I highly recommend for you to pick up that book. And I love that he said to go ask three to five friends and when they saw you most alive, most happy, what you seem to enjoy the most. And I think that would just help to give you perspective about maybe where you need to dial in a little bit more of your time to be happy in life, to be more productive. And I, I do firmly believe that you don't always have to be straining your brain to try to come up with the next great big thing or the next big business thing that you can back off and be creative. And you know, you guys know it, you hear it. Things do come to you in those moments in the shower while you're coloring or while you're writing that next great science fiction novel or what have you. I do believe that. And sometimes I have to tell myself that, remind myself that, that maybe today it's okay to listen to the Bobaverse books, which is great. A terrific science fiction series on Audible, by the way, rather than listening to a Benet Brown or a Simon Sinek book. You know, you don't always have to be punishing yourself with information. Even though I do love that, it's okay to let go and have fun and let your brain be creative for sure, 100%. Okay, one thing I forgot to tell you guys about in the mini news sesh uh, for the keywords on Instagram. We're not sure, but try this. There's, in Instagram, there's alt text, which is 
what you can name your images for the sight impaired. Try that, and we're going to see. We're going to do a little uh, experiment to see if that helps the SEO discoverability of your posts in Instagram. And uh, make sure to tune in on December 23rd for that there blooper episode. It's just going to be a bunch of fun and play. (laughs) Nothing really serious there, but that's okay, right? It's okay. We don't have to take ourselves too seriously. Life is too short. So I hope you guys do enjoy that. Have a very happy holiday season here. And then we'll get back into the groove of things after the holidays. Might be a replay there on New Year's Eve, I think, which is another Wednesday. And then... Let's look forward. Let's take that paper airplane (laughs) and write down all the things of 2020 that we're just going to let go of and throw it right into the dumpster fire. And then let's look forward. Let's, Let's move forward to January 2021. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am so grateful for you. Please go check out Wingnut Social at wingnutsocial.com on every social media channel on God's green earth. If you need help with marketing your luxury brand on social, give us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT or shoot us an email to info at wingnutsocial.com. Thank you again. Now go out, be uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. And maybe, bruh. Sorry. Sorry, Benjamin. Don't shoot me. Have an amazing whatever. Wait. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Little Debbie Cakes. Little Debbie Cakes. Little Debbie Cakes. Jeff, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. The the What Up One Minute round? (laughs) Good boy, Mango.